the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 35, and our guest is author C.H. Hooks. Hooks wrote my favorite book of 2019 thus far, y'all. It's called Alligator Zoo Park Magic, and I highly recommend you go out and get it. It's a wonderful, fantastical tale. It's gorgeously written. He is such a wonderful author and such a delightful guy to talk to. C.H. Hooks stopped by the Marinade Studios on his way from Tampa to his home up in Georgia, and it was just such a delightful conversation. We just we, we went deep, and we talked about all kinds of different topics. We talked about everything from sports to Florida to love to writing to just everything in the uh, that you could possibly want to get down with the author of your favorite book of the year about. So I'm so grateful for this episode, and I think you guys are going to dig it. The song used throughout this conversation is The Devil's Hammock by our friend Kyle Keller. Kyle is a wonderful songwriter from Georgia. Uh, He now lives in Florida, and this tune is about a very specific place in rural Florida. Well, C.H. Hooks grew up in Georgia, and his outstanding book, Alligator Zoo Park Magic, is set in rural Florida. The union of those uh, those two just made too much sense. Um, everyone, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. C.H. Hooks.
Yeah, yeah, you're good. I'm good. All right. Yeah. Cool, dude. I like this. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris took care of this farm. Chris did most of the cool stuff in this house, um, including <laughs> decorating this room and <laughs> buying this thing for me and um, setting this whole thing up, which has changed. I mean, you know, we were we were joking on the way when you came in about like how physical space, like what a difference it makes creatively. Yeah. And how you're your kind of work area. I mean, there's a case in point. We oh, were totally. just talking about work area and mine has got like a capo on it and like patches and an air freshener. <laughs> <laughs> and a baseball. Don't and forget a, the baseball. And a baseball, yeah. And a harmonica. And a harmonica. It does have a harmonica. Um, so, <laughs> so I do write there <laughs> and I do record there, uh, but it's like, it takes like time to get to that place but this space has made a huge difference for me yeah. i mean the show um and i think i'm proud of everything that we've done when i look at episode 15 on that's about when we bought the house okay or right when we kind of got settled in the house and you're on 30 so i just released 30 okay and then i've got i've got one two three this will be the fourth one in the can okay so yeah so um i fell a little bit behind just because life's been crazy but in a good way um but uh yeah so right but that was about a year ago so you see how like it not even a year ago how much it has accelerated the show has accelerated oh yeah and a lot of that is having this space yeah. You know, I mean, I used to go out in the car and record intros because Chris <laughs> works at night. And so, like, I get up early. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a morning person. Me too. Totally. Yeah. And so she'll stay up all night at, and uh, I get up early and I'm in bed by 10. Yep. Um, so I don't want to wake her. But here I can just close the door and do whatever I need to do. Yeah. And that physical space makes such a big difference, you know? Physical space makes a huge difference. Um, I, uh, it's all about having like a simple parameter, like having mm. something that can contain the creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, anyway, I, I need I need something to kind of hold it, right? Mm. So that then I can inside of that space go nuts. Um, so yeah, my desk is a mess. Um, there's art everywhere. There are two giant jugs of uh, great must from where I'm making moonshine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> that sounds like some shit Jimmy would have going yeah. on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jimmy, but the that's, main character that's, of his book. That's, you know, ultimately this is the stuff that we kind Narrator. of have to surround ourselves with the things that, that allow our creativity to flourish. Yeah. Um, cause if it's just like this completely blank, open space i i feel like i i couldn't be i couldn't know and be who i am inside of that because it's overwhelming or it's too much yeah it, it you know if you have this sprawled out space with none of the little trinkets or you know harmonicas or baseball or <laughs> yeah. those little things that kind of become like our our we attach our thinking to them in some ways like yeah um, uh-huh. and the familiarity of having them around us you know it's funny you say that because like and it, it reminds me of so there's the the original drawing on the desk mm-hmm. of uh chris did that she created all the artwork for the show and um that was a concept that I, I sort of came up with and then she just made way better and then she this is like her first she makes these coasters yeah. 
and this was kind of her first attempt and um it's great it's beautiful but yeah. it, it's thick and so it's not very functional and then i had a glass of wine sitting there a few weeks ago and i was like right, furiously doing something like something with the show yeah. and then i just kind of like i was in this you know that like in that zone yeah. where you're just it's flowing and so then i went to grab my glass of wine and just knocked it off of that thing all over everything <laughs> right and so now this drawing has like wine stains on it i kind of like it it's kind of <laughs> yeah. nice isn't it right and that kinda, you didn't even know it was missing that <laughs> yeah and i feel like that's kind of what you're getting at too like oh, yeah. those little every time i see it it's like a, it's a kind of a funny chuckle but it's also this weird collaboration between us right you know no, totally so that's awesome yeah <laughs> yeah but that i mean having that space and making it our own and then being able to, to function and work in it I, I think it's super important yeah i mean we laugh about it we're like oh my god it's such a mess but yeah i don't think we could do it in like a i don't know if it was pristine and just wouldn't be the same right yeah, yeah. there's a comfort that needs to happen yeah. i think to get in that headspace for me at least i agree you know? totally. and a lot of the people that i talk to and that's a good question for you too. A lot of music, most people that I have on the show are musicians. Um, and a lot of them say they don't really ride on the road. Okay. And I think a part of that, some of them do, but I would say the vast majority don't. And I think a huge part of that uh, is the fact that it's hard to get in that space. Because if you're sitting at a hotel desk for a lot of people, or at some random cafe that you're not familiar with, that's different from being in a place where you have the comfort. Yeah. Is that something, is that true for you too? Or are you able to home field advantage? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's a good way to put it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I, um, I can edit on the road Mm -hmm. and I've been doing that, um, while I've been on the road quite a bit. Mm. If I'm going to be somewhere for like a week or so, then I'll find a space where I can start to get writing done just Mm -hmm. because for me, as a writer, it's something that I have to do kind of consistently. Right. Um, but uh, I I do agree with that. Even if it's even if it's just my own couch, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do feel like I can write better there than than if I'm at a hotel desk. A hotel desk right. is just it's like you said, it's unfamiliar space. Mm-hmm. It's cold. It's it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. The lighting is off. You know, you get used to these different things and your body interacts with like the specific lighting to your space and your, yeah. um, just the, the feel of your own chair and, and right. things like that. Yeah. Like, even where you set your arms whenever you're working on something. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I, I notice that if I don't have that exact, I'll put off, not because I'm a procrastinator. I'm really not. I'm not one of those like, um, you know, Joe Pug's podcast, the working songwriter, he, the intro, he always says something to the effect of this show is what every writer craves the most an ironclad excuse to actually put off writing (laughs) or to put off actual writing and uh i don't feel that way like for me sometimes it's not flowing and and sometimes it's not what i want it to be but i always enjoy the practice and i enjoy the process i will put off recording intros and outros to the show or recording any aspect of the show if i'm not just right yeah and i guess that is a little different because it's my voice and it's the energy in my voice and that kind of thing yeah but I will put it off if I'm not like, like if I'm a little hungover, I'm not about to record an intro. Yeah, you know, you can't see this right now, but I'm sweating a lot right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of muscle memory, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that setup. Right. And that execution in that setup. Right. And I think I'm more forgiving too of I'm more forgiving of my bad ideas on paper. I don't. 
I don't know if you feel the same way, but like I don't. If I write something and it turns out to be shit, and even even if I show it to somebody, I'm all right with it. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but I'm I'm okay with it. If I speak it out loud, for some reason there's a different feeling about that. Yeah, I I can see what you're saying. Um, I think that's also just like a. It's probably a different level of comfort that you have with your own writing at this point too. Mm. Hmm. And if this is, I mean, you've been doing this for you said a year now. Well, I, I hit, at least hit my stride this, a year. Yeah. 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 So we've done, done it. This first episode was recorded almost three years ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you've probably been writing for how many years? Right. Right. Forever. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like 25, 30 years. Right. Right. So, um, you have a different level of comfort with that. That's it's something that you're very, very familiar with and probably you're very familiar and comfortable with your own voice in that. Wow. The writing voice. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a really interesting point. For you, there's so many places I want to go here with this. <laughs> you need to do the work, you said. Mm-hmm. Is it a, I wake up in the morning and I, I just hit the ground running with it? Is it I wake up in the morning, I get my coffee, <laughs> and then I hit the ground running with it? Are you finding pockets of time? Like, What is your process like in a day-to-day kind of sense? Uh it depends on what the project is. Mm. Uh, I used to be that person and be like, no, you write every day and you do this every time, like every morning at this time and, and all that. Um, and I am that person. I am that writer at certain times of the year. Huh. I found that I work on fiction in the fall. Um, in the fall, I'll work on a manuscript for probably three or four months, a new draft. Mm-hmm. Um, in the spring, I edit. I edit a lot, and I'll huh. still write some short stuff. I'll write some nonfiction in the spring, um, but for some reason, I'm like a seasonal. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, Why is that? I don't know. Um, I used to try and work on fiction year round, and I could, like, if I were working on like a short story collection or something like that. Yeah. But now that I'm almost exclusively working on novels, I find that I have to work on them in a concentrated space. Uh, and space meaning time this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to work on them in um, like a three to four month window for a new draft. And I'll still write to that additionally if I need to in the spring as part of the editing process. Yeah. And I still work at the same time. Right. Um, but that's when I find that I'm able to really focus on getting like a, a voice to be consistent is if I'm able to do it in a condensed window. Huh. So, but why not the spring? <laughs> why is I it don't the, know. Well, yeah. I, that's, it's like, why do people suffer seasonal affective disorder? You know, like, yeah, but I get that <laughs> sense, right? Because of the, the yeah. light, right? you right, know, I mean, some right. of that and the, and the weather and yeah. that kind of thing. But I wonder if that is like a throwback to school. And are you teach now anyway? I do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's that too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that factors into it, my workload, but yeah. I'm actually busier in the fall than I am in the spring with my work. Oh, interesting. Um, because I teach so many composition classes and so many students in the fall. Yeah. Because um, of course, when all the incoming freshmen are, are there. Right. Um, but yeah, for some reason, that's the way it's worked out. And I've discovered that over the past, and I guess that's just part of like realizing who we are in our creative work. Right. Um, I've realized that over the past like three years. That is so interesting. Yeah. I used to try and do it year round. Yeah. And I mean, I still write 
year-round, sure. but I'll write different things at different times of the year. There's something back to that idea of comfort, and we talked about mm-hmm. comfort in physical space, but that comfort in time that you know, all right, it's your brain knows, all right, it's go time. Yeah. Now's manuscript yeah. time. And then it knows, hey, now's editing time. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. And I think that's, you know, getting in that rhythm because there are lots of um, other types of disciplines where you're kind of a system forces you in that Mm -hmm. space. Right. So like training camp is at this particular time. Right. It's almost like you have your own own little training camp and your own regular season and then your own kind of off season. So because you probably realize that there are things that you feel better working on at different times of the year. Yeah, that makes sense. If you if you kind of let yourself tune into that um it i mean our bodies are different sizes at different times of the year our brains are probably affected by that too yeah um definitely by the heat and everything as well right um but yeah i ultimately i edit write some nonfiction, and map for the next project at this time of year and then over the summer i'll probably end up doing well maybe i'll end up doing a residency um and i'll probably try and finish kind of like mapping character development type of stuff then um and then i'll about august i'll ramp up and start writing august or september usually about end of august beginning of september can you talk about that a little bit the mapping process and what that looks like (laughs) it looks different um it looks different with every book uh-huh. for me. Yeah. Um, because, well, I mean, I almost draw a different map. Uh-huh. So on one, you know, it's, um, I mean, you have the same things that you're going for. You're still going for a certain amount of tension. You're, you're going for different developments in plot and mm-hmm. different places. Um, different things that you feel like kind of have to happen. Um, in the story to keep it moving along and to keep the reader going. Mm. But like Alligator Zoo Park Magic was, um, that was a totally different map because, you know, in that one you have the book broken up into three sections Mm -hmm. and you have, um, you still have some things that need to happen early in the book to be able to set things up for the rest of it. But that map looked a little different. Um, If we're talking about the physical appearance of the map, yeah. you know, sometimes I've drawn like power lines um, and and things like that, um, but I also tend to draw whenever I'm mapping. Oh. Um, and so, you know, I on that one, like I, I drew like birds and stuff on the power lines. You know, like uh-huh. um, you start kind of drawing in things that were happen you see happening at different points in the story. Uh-huh. Um, for the next one, it's <laughs> I've done like three four maps for this one so far because i've actually i'd already written um golly i'm getting like way ahead of myself i'm sorry it's uh, all right. i i've got um the manuscript i'm editing right now uh was really clean okay um it was a super linear process for writing this book yeah um so the editing hopefully will be fairly easy I had a really tight map for this one mm-hmm. um i had I, I felt like i had the right things in the right places for that mm-hmm. um and then for the next, for the one that I'm going to work on in the fall, um, it's been a nightmare. Really? Uh, I've already written this book once, and it was terrible. 
<laughs> what? Like, Wait, what? It was like what? almost 80,000 words, and it was just <laughs> totally amorphous. Like, it was a mess. Why? What, what happened? Uh, it just got out of my control uh-huh. because of a lack of the organization in it. Interesting. Because of that lack of structure. Yeah. And, like, that's going back to the idea of having, like, these parameters, having this structure in place so that you can be creative. Yeah. If it's unwieldy, if you don't have some of that structure in place, you just go all over the place. How did you not – because I'm picturing you going through that process, and how did you not be like, oh, fuck, man, this ain't working? <laughs> or you know, were you just into it? You it were just in love it with it or what? my wife telling me that. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I, <laughs> I feel terrible. I pawned off the manuscript on her. I, like, hand her this stack of pages, and she starts going through it, and she, she's an awesome, awesome editor. Oh, okay. um, And so she is That's going great. through and, like, <laughs> just marking these pages up. And she gets like 25 pages in. No, she, she probably got further in than that. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to give myself some credit. <laughs> and she hands them back to me and she's like, this doesn't work. <laughs> I, I just kept like adding in more shit. Yeah. You know, I just, I didn't give myself the kind of structure that I needed. And so now, I mean, I scrapped that whole thing. Damn. And I had to completely change the idea. I changed the setting. I changed. Oh, God. What did you keep? I stripped out so much. Very basic premise. Oh, really? Just the very basic premise. Yep. Everything else is gone. So from, from like, base level, right? So your, your idea generation mm-hmm. where is that you're are you writing down just a line is it just coming to you are you doing the work and you think of the basic premise like what is where does that come from um so Joan Didion had this uh awesome essay on keeping a journal mm-hmm. uh and the importance of that and what the purpose of it is I see on your your table over here you've got mm-hmm. like probably 70 journals <laughs> stacked yeah. up yeah, yeah. um but you know, sometimes, like she said, it's a snippet of a conversation mm-hmm. or it's uh, just a random thing that you see mm-hmm. um, that becomes something. Right. These, you know, these random ideas yeah. become bigger ideas. Mm-hmm. They expand and they expand and they grow yeah. um, as long as we catch them. Yeah. Uh, so really, it's all about making sure that, oh, God, I lost a journal one time. Dude. And it was one of the I've lost two, but I found one of them. Dude. But the one that I lost, I was riding a bicycle um, dude, around St. Augustine, and it fell out of my back pocket, gone forever. People who listen to this show regularly right now are screaming at their computer box. Really? Because they're like, that's the same fucking story for me, man. Really? I went to our good friend Hannah Harbour, who was episode 18 of this show. Uh-huh. I went to her uh, CD release party. Yeah. And had this great time. I had a couple of beers. Yeah. And I was riding my <laughs> with some friends and having just good music. And it's beer drinking fucking music. Yep, yep. You know? It happens. She's it happens. got songs about, you know, <laughs> hurtful stuff <laughs> and, uh, and loving stuff. But mm-hmm. anyway, all the stuff that makes me drink. And uh, I was riding home. And, and we have a lot of cobblestone streets in Orlando, uh, mm-hmm. something that people don't really know about this town. As, as we just discussed earlier, it's a misunderstood town. There's a lot of cobblestone streets. I, I must have had it in my back pocket. Yep. And, dude, I had an idea. I had written a lot oh, of this God. story. And it's and I know the story, right? Yeah. Like, I know it. But still. But I felt good about where it was right. going. And and it's, a tr- it's really a true story. It's my dad's story that I'm just – retelling and you know and and adding my flavor to and it's a great fucking story 
and I just can't. It's like I can't get there anymore. I, it, and doesn't it's that gone. kill you? And I put it up, and people will see me sometimes now because I put it up on on social media in the in like the on the Facebook event. Uh-huh. If anybody sees this journal, you know, oh, like I had God. this idea. If anybody sees it, please. And I always put my name and like email and stuff on the inside, but it's just gone. Yeah. And and I'll see people, and they'll be like, especially like musician friends and writer friends. I'll see them, and they'll ask me about it. Yeah, you know, and their yeah. faces just drop when they find out. That's well, because I feel like we all have, especially if we're carrying a pocket journal like that, mm-hmm. and it was one of the thinner ones like that. It wasn't like right now. I have kind of like a thicker one, so I know it's there. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of made that transition since I lost that one. Uh, um, oh, it was scarring. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I, because I've gotten better about making sure that I'm transcribing. Mm. Like as I go through a journal, I sit down. And I cross out the pages as I put them into the computer, right? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, because of that. That's great. Because I hadn't done that to any of those pages in that journal. That's great. Yeah. it's That's been, that's been good. Because then it gives me some peace of mind. Like if it does, you know, if I drop it next to the bed and it gets pushed under it or something like that. And I'm like, oh, where's my journal? And, you know, <laughs> I'm like, well, at least I know I transcribed. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's great. That's really disciplined too, though. That's a little bit of extra work. It, it is. I mean, but if you're sitting down to write anyway, sure, it takes what five to ten minutes. Sure, good point. And you're processing the language in a different way too, and processing yep. the idea. Yep. You're wrestling with it differently. It looks different when it's typed out than when it's written on a page. Yep. Half the stuff in those journals you just referenced, I haven't looked at in forever. Yeah, and I there. and I definitely have some that I that I didn't do that to. Um, when are you ever gonna do it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, is there going to be some week in the future where Jason Earl sits down and goes through every journal? Man, I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. And I hope all the tears that I cry and all of the excitement that I feel and all of the boners I get and all of the... Those are noted in there? I mean to say this process is going to elicit all of this. Hopefully you weren't drawing pictures. There's no pictures of boners in any of those journals. I promise. Immediately burns all journals. <laughs> Kicks the H hooks out of the house. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> she exposed my shame. <laughs> oh, man. Um, we did. I did want to talk about your book. <laughs> I think we've gotten into way more interesting source material at this point. <laughs> Which I love. I know I've told you I love it. Uh, I do love it. Oh, man. Um, and I love the characters. And I love, I think, because I think, talk about place. I mean, and I think this, the, the, the book would resonate with anybody. Because I think there are, of course, universal themes. And, there, and everybody knows... Uh, and that's the, the all great art, of course, you can connect to because you can see people you know and yourself in it and you understand it in certain ways. But it's very like when you when you read about mermaids in the tank, you know, I mean, if you grew up in Florida and you, immediately Weeki Wachi comes to mind, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, if I could go on and on and on about the references in the book where it's just like I know all these motherfuckers, yeah. you know, all these motherfuckers. And I grew up in Ocala kind of middle-class upbringing in Ocala. So it was like, I knew all of this stuff. Like the, these characters aren't living the same life that I did, but I knew all those folks. And I kind of, it's a weird thing in a town like Ocala where 
even in sort of the middle class areas of Ocala, all of the shit, like the van racing kind of stuff that mm-hmm. happens in the book, and I don't want to go too deep because I want people to read this book, <laughs> um, but the van racing kind of stuff and, and the the, the uh, dynamics between the city folk, right? The, the guys come down from Jacksonville, yeah. big old, the big city. Uh, Jacksonville being the laughing stock of the rest of the country, right? <laughs> Everyone looks at us at Jacksonville as like these rednecks. The NFL thinks that we're just a ridiculous place and that we should fall into the sea and be transported to London. The team should be transported to London. And and we think of it as the big city. You know? <laughs> um, but that dynamic, you know, where the city boys come and, and the city boys are, are country boys, you oh, know. Yeah, still, yeah, <laughs> of know? course. Uh, there's so much about place that speaks to it. And um, I do wonder, like, with your writing in general, uh, do you – are you are you thinking writing what you know or are you just writing what you know naturally? Um. I think we all have different experiences, right? That inform our creativity. Like back to the discussion that we were having about that. Um, I think that it's unavoidable that we write from experience. We don't necessarily write the experience. Right, right, right. But we're writing from experience. We're writing from things that we've been exposed to or bumped into or or seen or or heard or felt. Um, Those are the things that inadvertently – or on purpose kind of mm-hmm. seep into our material. So sure. yeah, I don't I don't know that it's necessarily a um like a I mean I was intentional about writing the book, but I don't know that it was necessarily um me trying to always pull from a personal experience. It was just mm-hmm. more of a kind of pool of experience that that everything kind of had fallen into over years and years and years of living yeah so yeah so you're not consistently eating mushrooms and drinking beers while driving around in a van is that what you're trying to tell me i don't feel like i can answer that question (laughs) 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 oh man after this we're gonna go outside and have a race I'm ready. I got my Sentra. I got my Sentra. It's, it's got a spoiler. I wish I would have brought the Subaru down here. Like a green Subaru Outback that's uh, nearly toast. Oh, my God. Um, we clearly share a couple of mutual loves. Pete's, Pete's, is that Pete, the Pete's Bar in Atlantic Beach? So that you, that you mentioned in the acknowledgments. Uh, yeah, I, I mentioned a few different a few different bars that you know I spent time in and. Um, while I was writing it. Okay, sure. that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. So, I, like, for me, one of my favorite things to do is go to the bar and read or write. Yeah. Um, same thing? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm finding uh, I'm having trouble with, and I'm not complaining, it's a nice problem to have, but, like, I've got my regular bars, and I've gotten to the point now where, like, for the most part, of course, people are respectful because they're, they're my friends or at least acquaintances. Mm-hmm. But I used to be able to find... And I don't know if it's just this town, maybe. I think it's just okay. this town where there are, it's hard to find a place where you can just have alone time. And I don't mean that as a bad thing because people are great here. But I felt like I could go to – and Pete's wasn't really my spot, but in, uh, in Riverside and Jacksonville, mm-hmm. for example, there were several places, several bars I could go to. And just even if I knew people, I could kind of be anonymous yeah. and sit at the end of the bar and do my writing I guess Pete's is a different place because nobody's going to fuck with you, really. I would do a lot of reading in there. Okay. Or, like, a lot of um, 
I wouldn't go into Pete's with my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't like sit there and type out a lot, but I would sit there and just kind of like take in the experience mm-hmm. and be able to be in a dark space in the middle of the day. Yeah, I think it's important to set that done. scene, right? Yeah. So for folks who haven't been to Pete's, it's it's a pool hall, really. Yeah. It's a cash only bar. Right. Assuming it's still cash only. Yeah, from yeah. <laughs> it's been there a billion years. Yeah. Um it's on, it's in Atlantic Beach, which is in the Jacksonville. It's in Duval. You can buy booze to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh it's kind of and, and you'll see everything from a frat guy mm-hmm. to an old man to, you know, everybody in between. It's definitely one of those equalizing kind of bars. Yeah. Yeah. Which is part of what I think everyone loves about it, right? right. Is that like we're all on the same level there? I mean, you're gonna. That's it's one of the oldest bars in that area. Too. Yeah, it's got to be yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, another one that I would go to, I'd go to um, Flask and Cannon out there, uh, Jack's Beach, and then also Pose. Yeah. Because um, uh-huh. Pose is really, really dark. Yeah. And you can get a booth there and just sit there, and and that is somewhere that I would take my computer. So is darkness a prerequisite for you? No, because you know Flask and Cannon isn't dark. <clears throat> okay. It's actually really bright. Um, it's almost like a, it's kind of like a tiki bar type of, mm-hmm. type of concept, but, um, I, uh, it's more about being left alone mm. and that's kind of where I think you were going some too. Yeah. It's like being able to have that kind of space around you mm-hmm. and just be left alone to think. Right. Um, that's the most important thing. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, even some background noise is good. It is. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, now I do struggle with if it's there's something about my hearing, like if I'm in a place where um, there is a loud conversation going on. I can't do coffee shops. Yeah. 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 People will, talk less at a bar usually. Yeah. I will get locked into whatever is happening. And people I won't go to coffee to. shops for business meetings now. Right. Right. It's right. like where they go to like try and sell somebody on an idea. Right. And I, I can't listen to that. Right. It'll make me go crazy. I'm too cynical. <laughs> that's wonderful <laughs> yeah I, th- that space and, and now I don't know where that space is for me you know cause like um, I had a spot that I, I st- still my spot you know and I can don't name it on there yeah. yeah 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 right yeah. <laughs> I've got my spot if you have some time later we might drop by there on the way out of town or something um and uh, I love it, but it used to be when I, when Chris and I first started dating, I would come down on the weekends, and she she is the general manager of a wine bar. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so she would work at night, and I worked during the day, and so then on the weekends, we would just get as much time as we could in together. Yeah. But at night, she would be working, right. so I would go find a place to either do my day job work or do some writing and reading. And when I first came to town, I didn't know anybody. Yeah. So that was. I, prime time. I was so fucking productive. Yeah. All my friends were in Jacksonville. Right. right? And I was here <laughs> waiting for my lady to get off work. <laughs> You're like, I'm so lonely, but I'm so productive. But I'm so productive. <laughs> I got sick. What else are you going to do? <laughs> Fred about dying? You know, like, otherwise I'm just going to sit around freaking, about my, freaking out about my existence, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is a crisis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to do something with this energy. <laughs> So I find myself at some of these bars, and I found the cool ones, or the ones that I thought were cool, you know? Yeah. Ones that, that, that I vibed with. Um, but now I know all those people. So, like, if I go to Ocean Sun Brewing, for example, which I love, um, I just end up talking sports with the guys, right? right. That's my sports That's my sports place yeah. where I can go and talk sports. Um, if I go to Barley and Vine, then 
I, that's all my friends, you know, and that's where you I need, play. you need an antisocial bartender. Mm-hmm. I don't, if anybody's listening to this and you know of a good spot in Orlando where I can get a decent beer because I am kind of picky about my beers and, uh, an antisocial bartender. There please, we go. Yeah. Let me know. Yep. Yeah, I think there there should be a solid comment section on this. Yeah, this is. Yeah, uh, I mean that's pretty much why we, I invited you over was to get to <laughs> get to the comments. Get to the get to the comments. <laughs> Find me a space to create. This is about me, buddy. <laughs> you write this beautiful book. <laughs> blah blah blah. <laughs> We've got dicks and journals. <laughs> I could just see like five years from now, I finally have that time and I'm going through that. And I'm like, son of a bitch, there is a dick in this journal. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Man, gosh, uh, we still haven't talked about the book. Um, <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Matt Vasquez, too. I want to talk about Matt Vasquez because okay. you quote Delta Spirit in yeah. there. Um, are you just a big Delta Spirit fan? Or do you know Matt? Uh, no, I don't I don't know him. Um, I... Um that song St. Francis and uh, really it was just for me, I always have music that, that goes along with what I'm writing. Um, and I keep like, I I mean, I write it down while I'm thinking about it. There are certain songs that can put me back into the mental space of like that. I identify with a landscape in a book or Mm -hmm. that I identify with an emotion or that I identify with, um, you know, a time period in a book that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, St. Francis um, by Delta Spirit was kind of the embodiment of the emotion that I was feeling in this book. Oh, dope. So um, I, uh, I wrote him and just asked him if I could have permission to use that. And he was like, sure. Yeah, of course he was. <laughs> he was episode 12 of this show. Oh, really? Yeah, so you oh, that's amazing. Show as no Vasquez. way. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I sent him a book over in, in uh, Oslo. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, Matt, if you're out there, I yeah. hope you got the book. <laughs> it's funny. He and I talk on, I don't mind saying this because we talked about it in person. Um, he's such a brilliant songwriter. Yeah. I mean, such a beautiful songwriter. His emails are indecipherable. <laughs> and not only him, John Snodgrass, too. Do you, are you familiar with John Snodgrass? Uh, I, I know the name, yeah. Okay, so John's been on the show twice now. Okay. He's been on once, and then uh, there's another one that will come out before this episode. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of become you know buddies in that, in that sense. And John is such a brilliant songwriter, but you can't even make heads or tails of his emails <laughs> and you know matt's funny because he like he'll, he knows it you know he spells uh-huh. words wrong and like <laughs> there's no punctuation you know but how laid back that guy is yeah. and such a genius yeah I mean, no those he's a records, brilliant yeah, yeah his new solo record is fantastic yeah, yeah. uh texas murder ballad is the ep that he put out about a year and some change ago yeah. oh my god yeah i got the incredible. new vinyl um a few weeks ago um but yeah uh, <laughs> yeah, we were just, you know, sending notes through Facebook Messenger because uh-huh. um, I didn't have his email. I didn't have, sure. like, another way to contact him. I was just like, well, sh- shot in the dark, right? Sure, sure. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just sent him that note. Sure, just make sure, you, you know, uh, I can't remember what it, it, precisely what it said, but yeah. I think there was, like, a smiley face. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. And it's so good, like – and it's interesting because none of those, none of my heroes have turned out to be assholes, you know. That's and good. It's, it's been really cool um, in this process, meeting all these artists that I respect so much, and they always end up being really cool folks. It's really reaffirming, I think, whenever yeah. that happens, like that, 
it's like okay to still like the work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's huge, man, especially today as we're starting to learn, we learn more and more about people or yeah. at least one side of more and more about people. Mm-hmm. And that it just breaks my heart, man. The Ryan Adams shit breaks my oh, fucking heart. Yeah. You know? And like I honestly it hasn't changed how I feel about the art, but it does like I think about it. Yeah. You know, when I hear the record I think about it. Still love the music. Right. It's undeniably good. <laughs> so yeah. I still love the music, but um, it's great when you meet somebody like Matt mm-hmm. that just ends up being a cool dude. That's rad. That's yeah. really, really cool. What else? So what about the new stuff? What song? Can you divulge songs that are associated with the um, new stuff you've been working on? So for the the one that I'm I'm working on now, um, really the one that I've been mapping, I've been kind of listening to a lot of old blues. Mm-hmm. So like... Um, you know, of course, Robert Johnson's in there, but then sure. like Blind Boy, what was it, Lemon Fuller and like mm-hmm. stuff like that, that mm-hmm. just like kind of, you know, the area where I live right now, mm-hmm. um, I live in coastal Georgia, but I don't live on the Golden Isles or something. I live in Brunswick, which is, you know, we have paper mills and it's just like kind of a depressed economy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you, you have these sections of the city where you just see kind of generations worth of just low. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the feeling that I, that I get from some of that music mm. and some of it's more upbeat and happy, but it's still the blues. Yeah. Yeah. You know? A happy blues song is still depressing as hell. Exactly. When you're really paying attention. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's still about like some level of oppression or frustration or just like, kind of getting left behind so i was talking about that the, on that note the idea of um that juxtaposition between like a happy sounding song that's actually really really depressing mm-hmm. um is one of my favorite things like anytime there and and alligator zoo park magic does a lot of that it's funny as hell it's so fucking funny but it's real depressing i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean though no, right true. Like, I, I mean humor is in fiction, like if you've got something funny, there's something sad behind mm-hmm. it, more I mean, than likely. And, but there's also up enormously uplifting moments, and there's this kind of theme of like seeking freedom, and it kind of to a lot of to a large extent, Jeffers is almost like what we were talking about earlier—that desire to be left alone. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, be noticed and known, mm-hmm. um, the tension that he kind of feels yeah. is something that I think a lot of us can really relate to. Because people are putting hope in somebody. Right. And if you're putting hope in a human, then ultimately you're in for some uh, disappointment. Of course. So, oh uh, look, here's looking at you, Joe Biden. Dude. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the thing. It's, you know, now right, we can go down this road. <laughs> that was my thing with, with Obama was always like, y'all pump your brakes. Mm-hmm. This guy has almost no life experience. And yes, he's very smart. Yes, he has some good ideas. But we don't know what the fuck we're getting here. And it turned out okay. But when people were getting all fired up and in just latching on to the very tag word hope, hope, yeah, just the word hope mm-hmm. is a really scary thing. It is because he could have turned out to be a lot worse. Right. And if he had turned out to be a lot worse, we would have been in a lot of trouble with the cult of personality that was created around him. Anytime that we're making a human being out to be something greater than a human being. Right. Like if we're putting right. more on them than just the fact that you know they're gonna be flawed yeah then 
yeah, we're in dangerous territory. And, uh, and same thing with Ryan Adams, right? Oh, perfect. Like example. you love the music, yeah, and then you try and love the person, yeah. But you have to almost be able to to break that. You have to be able to almost distance the the artist from the art, if you want to still be able to love the art. Man, that's really a great point. I'm looking up at that Jason Isbell poster yeah. and Jason Isbell wall hanging, right? And there's a theme. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my press passes from Jason covering right. Jason Isbell shows over on my guitar case. Um, yeah. None of this is news to anybody who listens to the show that he's my favorite artist of all time. And I think about a guy who's pretty transparent about his own right. shortcomings yeah. and where he's come to. But now the public persona of him, at least, that has been cultivated is that he's kind of like a perfect person. You right. Know? Yeah. And of course he's not, no. you know. No. Um, and. Uh, and so that's an important thing to remember too is even the the people who have found redemption in some way in terms of their actions and their choices yeah. are still humans they're still one step away from yeah really fucking something up right and <laughs> and at what point do we you know i think a lot of times now when we find out these bad things about people or these things that they've done that a lot of times the tendency is to wipe our hands of them mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of misguided. Like I'm yeah. concerned about that. Even yeah. with the really heinous kind of things, right? Um, that leads to the idea of like this person isn't redeemable anymore, right? Um, and that's also where we get into some of these ideas about like felons not having their rights restored after they've right. served their debt to right. society. Yeah, you know, like like Florida talking about making uh, people pay to be able to get their voting rights back, basically. Yeah. It's very clearly a poll tax and right. very clearly uh, yeah. illegal. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, but and that I mean that goes back to our great state. Where did you actually grow up? Uh, I grew up all over South Georgia. Okay, really. I was born in Florida, but but grew up in South Georgia. Okay, all right. Very similar cultures. Yeah. Not exactly the same though, and I think that's yeah. important right. too. You know, I think if you're not from here, you might consider them to be the same idea, but yeah. They're not, you know no, what I mean? No, no, no. Not entirely. Um, and the geography is different, too. I mean, yeah. the geography here is very different from oh, yeah. South Georgia, obviously. Yeah. Um, but that that duality of, of the, the Southern thing as a whole, and specifically Florida, is something that comes through in Alligator Zoo Park Magic. Those characters are really clever people. They're oh, yeah. really, uh, in their own way, very eloquent. But they're also redneck motherfuckers, oh, yeah. right? Like, and I love that juxtaposition <laughs> and the way that that you express it. Yeah, you know? I mean, throughout history, the the poorest people have been the most crafty, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. You find hacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> you find hacks. I love that. <laughs> I never really thought about it like that. It sort of because of that restriction. Back to the idea of having to have a restrictive either time or space and in this case uh all of the above right <laughs> you know <clears throat> to have that restriction and then to to be able to make something right kind of beautiful out of it and jeffers makes these beautiful things out of what out of his circumstances yeah totally no and uh, i think that he's desperate for getting out like you said earlier he's desperate for the escape yeah. and so he's willing to do whatever it takes yeah do you feel that sense of of need for escape, you personally? Is there any of that in you? Um, for different things, right? Um, at different times of life. Um, but um, 
for me, no, I actually love it down here. That's <laughs> like, great. I think the the strangeness of of That's this great. environment, and um, I don't think I'd be the same writer if I if I didn't love it. Yeah. Like if I didn't love some element of just even where I am right now. Yeah. Um, you have to be kind of in love with that environment uh, to yeah. be able to. I feel like give it the due that it deserves when you're writing about it. Right. Yep. Wow. That's beautiful. We've almost gone an hour. I didn't even realize <laughs> that. Um, we usually go like 30 minutes. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I always like to end, though, by asking um, what the artist is consuming. So you mentioned blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Books, other music, films. Okay. So what am I consuming? Um, so last night, uh, lots after, and lots of booze. After my <laughs> evening, I f- for the first time ever, and I don't think this will ever happen again. I fell asleep mid Taco Bell bean burrito <laughs> in bed. <laughs> That's not safe, man. <laughs> That's like on smoking so in levels. bed. Yeah, 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 on so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> it was about one thirty in the morning. I was eating my second Taco Bell bean burrito, uh-huh. and uh, God, this is just awful in general. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> what? Where did you? All right, let's, let's briefly get into the night. So you did a reading. I, I did a reading last night. Uh huh. Um, and I'd had some. You know, I I usually have like a little bit of bourbon before i go and do a reading okay um and why i just i like bourbon yeah <laughs> okay all right i'm looking for this like profound moment no. nope just like bourbon <laughs> ditto <laughs> oh man um and then i went to this mexican restaurant with a buddy of mine that was reading last night too taco bell no no, no. <laughs> that was this was the first mexican restaurant of the night got it, um got and got a couple margaritas and um and then we uh i don't know where we went we we went to we went and and had drinks at just some random bar and then got this idea that so babe ruth hit this like 500 foot blast or something on what used to be the fairgrounds at tampa which is now part of the campus of university of tampa so My buddy and I had this idea. He brought a bucket of baseballs and a bat. And we're like, let's go see how far from the spot that's marked we can hit a baseball. That's amazing. So we took this bucket of baseballs to the middle of the University of Tampa's campus last night. And um, (laughs) (laughs) and started hitting baseballs. We were like, you know, if there was a student walking by, we'd have him pitch to us. Wow. Um, what time is this? It's like maybe 11 o'clock at night. Okay. 10.30, 11, 10.30, 11 o'clock. Uh-huh. Um, no. Yeah, it was probably about 11 this o'clock. This is my dream evening. Uh, and then we, you know, security came by a couple times. You could see them kind of like, I mean, rightly so. Yeah. We're hitting yeah. regular baseballs in the middle of campus. Like, um, so... so <laughs> <laughs> Did so, you have a wooden bat? Did you have no, like it was a, a metal bat. 
Um, like a grown up. Yeah, it was a thirty-three inch bat. Okay, um, all right. And uh, so then we moved over to the field, like the um, where they have the track and everything now. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, we we at that point we're just like, well, let's go hit some baseballs. That's amazing. So, I think of all of our hits combined because we weren't hitting very well for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, I understand. Yeah, uh, we may have hit it as far as you know the babe, but <laughs> I think that's that counts. <laughs> Right, cumulative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I call this shot and this shot and this shot and yeah. this shot and this shot after you called this shot and this right, shot and right, this right. shot. Yeah. So yeah, my shoulder is in pain today. Are you even like, good at baseball? Uh, I, I played all growing up, and okay. I, I love baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I love it. Am yeah. I good now? At thirty-six years old. Right, right. Absolutely not. Nope. Nope. Yep. Nope. Nope. Yeah, I. That was my game. That was my love. Yeah. You know, my passion growing up, and um. And I was pretty good, but I wasn't, you know, I'm five foot eight. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was just, uh, you gotta do it because you love it. Yeah, 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 you, you know, I'm pretty athletic, but ultimately there was a ceiling. You yeah, know, and, yeah, me too. Um, and so, but it's interesting though that the game, when it ended for me, I, I tried to play in college and I played for a fall semester at a NAIA Division II school. What school? Uh, Palm Beach Atlantic College okay. down in West Palm. Yeah. And um, I got cut at the end of the fall season. So they had six second basemen. They cut three of the second basemen. Two of the other guys pitched. One guy was on scholarship. They didn't have room for me. And I probably wasn't really good enough, quite honestly. Um, But it was so devastating. And I didn't know what to do because it was such a part of my life for so long. And nobody really – they all told me it was going to end, but nobody said, dude, you got to find an outlet. You need to go coach or you need to swallow your pride and join a softball league or something. And it took me years to figure out that, wait a minute, a lot of my self-destructive behavior that happened after that was because – that time and energy and heart was filled with baseball. It got taken from you. And it got taken from yeah. me. I didn't choose to leave. Right. You're like, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you have to leave now, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the security last Yeah, night. security came. Yeah, 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 yeah. Security. Yeah, life security came. Yeah. <laughs> life security. <laughs> I like this. This is a good concept. Life yeah. security. <laughs> life security. We need more life security, yeah. really. Like, really benevolent life security, though, not like dickheads with badges. Right. They need to be dressed... Like in a very non-threatening yeah. manner. Their uniforms need to be like flip-flops. Those are the men in the white suits, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the oh. walls are so gentle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so Bean Burritos, um, any um, authors? I know you, uh, and, right, you and Caleb right. Johnson yeah. know each other. I got Treeborn up there. Yeah, I love that yeah. book. I love I, Caleb. I'm gonna try to catch up whenever we're in the same town at some point. Totally, and you should. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a good dude. Um, I you know I I love um, if you hadn't read it, Thomas McGuane's 92 in the Shade. Okay, uh-huh. uh, that's a that's one of my very favorite books. Um, it's a Florida book. Um, okay. Right now, I've got. Just uh, man, I have a stack of books on my on yeah, my yeah. on my nightstand. Um, I've got George Singleton's new book, Staff Picks, that I'm um, uh, I'm hoping to get to like jump into like in the next week or so. Yeah. Um, I've been reading. Uh, oh man, I'm so bad with names. Um, oh, I'll have to get back to you on this okay. one. It's uh, I think it's called like uh. Not music of the swamp, but um, hmm. yeah, somebody recommended that one to me recently, and I've 
I'm like three chapters into it. When you're reading a book like that, are you um, able to, like, are you able to be sort of a fan, objective fan, or are you thinking about the craft and how it relates to your work? Um, that's a good question. I, for me, I try and find books at this point that I'm not necessarily going to feel like I need to dissect. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a lot of Southern Lit, you know, Wild Cash, Taylor Brown, um, some of that crew. Um, but I try and I try and find things these days that that I'm not necessarily going to feel like I I never want to like I never want to read something that I'm going to feel like is going to make something off limits for me. Mm-hmm. in my material mm-hmm. like i'm gonna accidentally come across something that's like mirrored in some of my own work that um is gonna make me feel like it suddenly pushes something outside of what i'm able to do yeah uh, if that makes sense it makes a ton of sense okay yeah and, and i i've heard that from other people like uh kevin mclean who now plays drums with sarah shook and the disarmers and uh-huh. was in american aquarium oh, i yeah. interviewed him many years ago and uh, he talked about trying not to listen to too much mm-hmm. of things that he's worried are going to permeate his work. Yep. Um, and he had talked about he's an avid cyclist. And mm-hmm. David Byrne wrote a book, uh, Bicycle Diaries, okay. about his cycling around the world and that kind of thing. And I gave him a copy, but he was hesitant because mm-hmm. he was like, I'm worried that this is going to impact. I, I've avoided this book because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a huge David Byrne fan and I'm afraid it's going to have this other impact on me, you know, my music and on my, you know, my art. Otherwise he's a photographer too. Yeah. Um, and I, that's so yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Um, because I, I also, for me and I'm not, I haven't published a novel. I'm a guy who writes basically for me and I put it out on Instagram or I put it on marinadepodcast.com right. as you know, in some way, that kind of thing. And so for me, I recognize that almost every time I write something, I'm ripping off whoever I'm reading at the time. So my recent stuff probably sounds like Alligator Zoo Park Magic. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it probably sounds like my bad imitation of you. <laughs> so if I'm actually, if I'm working on a specific project, I pretty much shut it down. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I can't do that completely because of teaching. Oh yeah. Um, but whenever I'm in that period of like that three month period, wherever I'm, where I'm working on a new draft, it yeah. has to be completely my. It has to sound like me. Yeah. And so I cut out pretty much everything at that point, and that's why music becomes so important. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That is so interesting, and that makes a ton of sense too. Mm-hmm. Music being, especially when you talk about blues music or. Um, however you want to categorize Matt Vasquez's music roots mm-hmm. kind of influenced right. sort of stuff. Um, there it's so literary. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. It becomes a, almost like a stand in for, for being able to read. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. That's mm-hmm. really wonderful. That, that I feel like I have to. Yeah. Cause I, I don't want somebody else's voice to like, and I'm really, you know, I'm pretty assured in, in what my voice is as an author at this point as yeah. a writer, but at the same time, I'm pretty protective of that. Yeah. And I think I have to be. Man, this has been such a pleasure. Dude, I, I really appreciate you having Thank me. Thank you so much. It's been an awesome conversation just hanging out. Yeah, so. yeah, ditto. I mean, this has just been more than I could have hoped for, and I really appreciate it. My, man, my pleasure.
CH Hooks, everyone. What a wonderful conversation. I had so much fun. I'm so grateful that he stopped by the Marinade Studios. The book is called Alligator Zoo Park Magic. You can find it on Bridge 8 Press, which is based out of my beloved Jacksonville. It's also available on Amazon and uh, uh, Barnes & Noble, all those kind of major outlets. Uh, you can find C.H. Hooks on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, he's fairly active over there and pretty responsive, so check him out. Um, and also at chhooks.com. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. Thank you to uh, Kyle Keller for sharing your gorgeous song. Kyle's our buddy. I got to see him play with our friend Jordan Foley. And uh, it was just such a magical night. This was last week at Will's Pub. You can find Kyle on Instagram and Facebook. You can also find his music at kylekellermusic.bandcamp.com if you want to hear more of what he's doing. There was a really cool piece in the Orlando Weekly. If you go to orlandoweekly.com and just search Jordan Foley, Kyle Keller, there's a great uh, piece about that particular night that I was fortunate enough to experience with my friends. Um, they're doing great things, and I'm, I'm thankful that I get to see them play music uh, on a fairly regular basis. You can find all things Marinade at marinadepodcast.com, including website-exclusive episodes, some of my concert photography, some written pieces. Um, check that out. Uh, there's also lots of different ways to connect with us. If you really like what we're doing, consider joining our Patreon community at patreon.com slash marinadepodcast. For just a few dollars a month, you can gain access to exclusive content like our Patreon-only show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that have that have formed my creative life. It's a, a chance to dive a little bit deeper. Um, plus, we have a lot of fun. We end up having exchanges in the comments, and um, I talk about things that are. Uh, I talk about some of the the backstories of the shows and, and things that maybe I can't share normally. Um, if that's not in your budget, if Patreon's not in your budget at the moment, I totally get it. Uh, just tell somebody about the show. If you like what we're doing, tell somebody about the show. Subscribe on your podcast app. Give us a rating on your podcast app. Those things are all free, easy, painless things for you to do that really, really help us. All right, y'all, it's time for what I'm getting down on, the segment where I share the art that is inspiring me at the moment. My brain has been ADD when it comes to reading lately. I have a stack of books that uh, I've kind of just picked at since finishing Rob Pycott's Out Past the Wires. And then finally yesterday, Voices from Chernobyl by Svetlana Alexievich, the book that Craig Mazin, the creator of, and writer of Chernobyl on HBO, talks about at length as being a huge piece of source material for the television show. That book finally arrived by courier from my local library, and I am tearing through it. The accounts are heartbreaking, so of course I can't get enough. Um, if you can get your hands on a copy, do it. Just make sure you're in the right mindset because it is pretty tough. The record I've been listening to the most at the moment, kind of a bit of a throwback to all the way uh, way back in April, Josh Ritter's Fever Breaks. It came out this year, earlier this year, and I listened to it a few times then and loved it, but Right now, I'm just rediscovering it. I, I was fortunate enough to get a gift card to my local record store, Park Ave CDs, and uh, I went down there and picked up the vinyl. It is This record is so good. Uh, Ritter teamed up with Jason Isbell in the 400 unit on this one, and the result is incredible. I also recently learned of Cat Clyde's Hunter's Trace album. 
You can find that wherever you consume music. It is bluesy and soulful. There's a depth to her vocals, and it's a lyrically strong record. That's Cat Clyde's Hunter's Trace. Really been getting down on that. And I finally saw A Star is Born. Um, that's the other piece of art that's really been inspiring. Uh, it just moved me on so many levels. You know, and I'm not really sure exactly why it hit me. Um, other than I, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about on this show about uh, addiction and how that has impacted my family for generations. Um, and so there's the marriage of sort of that really, really tough subject with music, especially great music. That film is just full of incredible music and incredible acting. Um, just had me in tears i mean throughout the throughout the film uh, i can't say enough about it. it took me too long to get to it but i'm glad i got to it when i did right so we're ready for art whenever um whenever we're ready for art it comes to us and i'm so glad that i that i found it at the moment that i did um it's given me a lot to think about and uh it is it moved me in a major way y'all Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much to C.H. Hooks for all your time and support. Thank you to Kyle Keller for sharing your amazing music. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time, go out and create something.